Hello and welcome, Star Wars fans. It is Justin Ward, Red Eye Jedi, with the Jedi Council podcast. Here with Mara Ranger. Hey, say hello, Mara. Hello, Mara. We are here to present you guys with our reaction to the Chapter 16, The Rescue series finale of The Mandalorian. Mara and I were unavailable for the last recording, so we wanted to uh, get in and give you our reactions, our opinions, our thoughts, our feelings. If this is your first time with us, you know, we thank you. Uh, if this is, if you're returning, we thank you even more. Um, Alex has a whole speech. I'm not great at it, but I'll do my best to host this uh, meeting we have today. So let's just jump right in as we're, we're short on time. We've got some stuff to do today. So Mara, initial reactions. Let's, let's just jump right into it. Oh my gosh. For the whole season? I mean, here we are. I'm like, Oh, well, the way they left us off in the, the last uh, chapter just had me like goosebumps because of Mando just repeating uh, Gideon's uh, speech alone was just like, oh, my gosh, this episode has got to be the amazing, amazing. And it, and it didn't really disappoint. I literally was on the edge of my seat and I'm in a rocking recliner. So my sister's <laughs> joining me. She's watching all of this. And I'm just holding my breath like... Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And what is this? What about these death troopers? What? Oh my gosh. And how's he going to get to like it's uh, <laughs> just like exactly how I was living this episode. And then I don't know, didn't like a couple um I mean, wicked spoilers guys. Didn't like a couple weeks ago or when a couple podcasts ago that I kind of predicted who else could the Jedi be but Luke? Do you yeah, I remember that at all? And everybody was like, "Well, I don't know." So I went on a limb. And then when I saw just the X-Wing, I mean, who could not know that it was going to be Luke with the X-Wing? But what <laughs> I didn't expect was my hero. OMG! <laughs> we're going we're to Tarantino this one, folks. We're going to start at the end and work our way forward. <laughs> I literally... Time like, listener, you, you know that Mara is a huge R2 fan. So we'll, we have to start there naturally with Mara. Um, I too. I mean, we'll go ahead and start there. I too was very. I was excited to see Luke. Don't get me wrong. And yes, you absolutely called it. And while I was hopeful that it could be Luke, right? I never dreamed that it would be Luke because I just wasn't sure how they planned on doing that. You know, and I there with with Ezra and with some of the other possibilities being there, it could have been anything. They they've they've thrown so much at us this season that was unexpected and things they kept secret. I mean, so to that end, above all, like I was excited to see Luke, but when R2 rolled in and like he was so excited to see Grogu, you know, and like then he really started to think like they had to have known each other to some extent, like they had mentioned on the previous podcast. And so I, I literally it made me tear up at that point. I was like, oh, man, this is like major, you know, and, like it feels like everything has has come together, you know, and yeah. I know, you know, with a lot of people, they really weren't happy with Luke's character and the sequel trilogies and stuff like that. And maybe they can bookend into that with a series of things that explain to how he got to that point that makes it more meaningful in the future. Is that a great way to do it? Maybe not from a storytelling perspective. But <laughs> with as much as the Clone Wars animated added and as much as Rebels added and as much as this is obviously added, I mean, as we discussed, there's 11 new shows. Well, 12, now that we know that there's the Book of Boba Fett, right? Wow. And yeah. that in and of itself, I mean, I know I know Dave and Alex went on and on and they're both big Fett fans and I also am and I believe you are too to an extent. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just loved it. I loved that, you know, that and and really, I mean, we have Bubba saying, you know, we're uh in your debt until the child is um you know, rescued basically, but for some right. reason, I think there's still this this comrade that they've, you know, this relationship that they've built. So I don't know if they're going to be like tight buds, but I think it, there might be some revisits in the future. Just say, hey, Mando, we need yours. You know, it's just something. He's built a lot of relationships that are. I don't know. You know, I think it will be interesting to see what they do in the book of Boba Fett. That's an interesting thing that you postulate because. To a degree, I, I see what you mean in this season, but like he was obligated because he got his family's armor back to and I understand 
True. you know, Fett from an intrinsic standpoint, he's about his family. Well, his his donor, right? I thought that quip. By the way, yes, going back just a little bit into this episode, when they when him and him and her are going tit for tat with words and then fighting, like that scene was was tremendous. Her use of the jetpack to get like leverage on him was so awesome, right? And like at first you think, oh no, he's gonna wrap her up and get her, and she's stronger than he thinks she is. Like it was it was cool. It was real cool to watch. Um yeah. you know, it's very interesting. It is interesting to a degree, too, what she said, like, when Katie Sackhoff said, you know, I've heard your voice a thousand times, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was super interesting, too, right? Like, she, of course she would, you know? She's, she, we saw the Siege of Mandalore. We saw, you know what I mean? We saw stuff like that happen. So, right. oh, yeah. I mean, this season, what a season. Just tremendous for me. I went in. You know, I liked season one, and I was very excited to see where season two could go. Um, but they they blew me out of the water in a lot of respects. Um, but in a lot of, I also want to go back and say that, like, you know, Allie had pointed out on this podcast that he was a little concerned that it would become the Boba Fett show. And I don't know, to a degree, I think it kind of did. Yeah. You know, and like, I think it's fair to say that Mando did take a bit of a backseat. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, you don't get the payoff you get of him taking his helmet off at the end without the investment of, you know, the passenger and, and these scenes that we've seen throughout. Like I was saying, they're really building that bond between the child and him so that when they tear that Band-Aid off at the end, you cry. Oh, my gosh. And didn't you? Oh my God! When he touches his little face, when he touches his face with his little green oh, hand, I was like, "Oh!" <laughs> see your face, because in the last episode when he was like, was that the last one? No, two of them before when he got like electrocuted. Not don't let the wires. Oh, okay. When they when they're eating the soup, and of course Mando just lifts enough. To, you uh-huh. can see Grogu just kind of. What do you I'm look like? Look. And I guess this parting of of let me see and that, you know, it's, this is huge. This is such a journey for Mando himself. I mean, it's been, he's been this lone wolf and he's been this whatever for so long that, I mean, you're only, it's kind of like Bubba. You know, yeah, I'm really taking care of myself. I, you know, there's nobody else. There's, and yet this little creature from the first moment he met him, there was that connection that this was going to change his life and who he was and what his creed meant and what his everything that he was taught and believed in and 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 what is that for because that was huge i mean twice he did it but especially so grogu could see what he looked like and that to me was the biggest gift and i don't know if it was a sacrifice but it was I thought that was huge. I mean, it just brought it together for me, this whole story of Mando to this point. Like, there's a purpose now, and you've got, you believe in something that is bigger, I guess. I cried. I was like, I'm still a wreck. No, you're definitely right in saying that it's a sacrifice, because according to his code, if he's taken it off, then he can't ever put it back on. Right. And for somebody like him who lost everything and was thrown in, I mean, like like Alex, I think, said, you know, semi-cultish type thing, those types of rigid structures are what make your foundation. And it's hard for people who've been in those situations to then change. Now, I've been saying since the beginning that I figured that it would eventually become about revisiting Mandalore and getting Mandalore. And it seems that they're really teeing off towards that, right? I mean, got Bo who basically was like, yeah, like we need to, we need to get the the dark saber back and we need to do this, you know? And that it seems to me that the way they work through the season, you know, cause everybody's chatted about the plot. Everybody knows the plot at this point. So we're just going to talk about the highlights. (laughs) It seems to me, you know, that they had to get, they had to do something with the child for a few, like a season or so, so that they could go out and have this crazy wild Mandalore adventure. And then maybe reconnect, you know, later down the line. Because, you know, who knows how long it's going to take them to reconnect, man- recollect Mandalore, right? And get that all, all working. Do a season and a half of that, span forward a few years, right? Grow them up, age them up. Then you have, you know, you figure so, out how you... So who has claim to the throne now, right? <laughs> if it's going well, to yeah, dark right? <laughs> You know, and, and I think... 
I don't think anybody's really hit the nail on the head that I've listened to yet. But I, you know, Giancarlo Carano Esposito, like he he did that as he did that on purpose. Like his character knew where Mando was going. He knew what it would mean to lose to Mando. You know, and he he you know he he obviously has no love for the Mandalorians. He calls them savages. You know, yeah. but I mean, much to his point, they did execute everybody on the bridge. They. You know, I was thinking about that, too, um, when he said that. And it's like, you know, to a degree, I, in certain scenes, in certain in movies, you see the rebels have given up or you've seen the stormtroopers have given up and they're being taken prisoner. They don't exactly just extrajudiciously kill people, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's not exactly wrong. They don't exactly just leave anybody alive. They just kill everybody and ask questions later. So... Well, what yeah. is the theme, right? We're coming back to what's the line you wouldn't cross. I mean, who brought that up? Mayfield, right? Here's the thing, right? What's the line you wouldn't cross? But on top of that, there's this big thing about, um, oh, well, you know, Bo-Katan got the, the Darksaber from Sabine in Rebels, and she had no problem with it. But what I counter to is that that caused a lot of problems, is that that ended up causing massive rifts through Mandalore, which allowed the Siege of Mandalore to happen. And I can use dialogue from this last episode. She said, if we showed half that backbone, we would still have our planet. Yeah. So that leads me to believe that they had so much infighting and so much division that all the Empire really had to do is just go in and drive a wedge in there and right. just split them apart, right. which is what we saw, right, with Gar Saxon and them. Yeah. You know, they you have people who aspire to the throne, but then they end up becoming a puppet of a much larger thing. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that's interesting. And, like... I don't think that it's actually explicitly said the person has to die. Exactly. You just but have to win it. In, in combat, that's not just like a gimme. Yeah. Well, he didn't oh. kill uh, Gideon. To... Well, yeah, I know, right? So, so does, and obviously that means, but like, the question being, is the match truly fair when you know the Mando doesn't really want to want it at all and he's just gonna you know no yeah. people will always question that until it becomes a real fight right or something like that now what's more interesting to me jumping back so we know Beskar can semi-stop the lightsaber right but my question to you is did you notice like when he was I because I watched that fight scene quite a bit because I really wanted I, it was really good number one I really yeah. think there's some really excellent choreography there and 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 they did a wonderful job you know for for a one lightsaber type fight where you've never really seen anything like that before in Star Wars i mean you have the droids um that have the cortosis weaved um you know uh, staffs in revenge of the sith that are on the on the bridge with dooku and that's kind of close but i figure that's two energy weapons it's interesting to see a raw material not break to a lightsaber. Now, yeah. did you think they? I mean, it really heats up in color, and 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 it goes from like a bright, you know, red orange in the middle and out. Yeah. Yep. Do you think with enough force it could cut through it, or do you well, think it's resistant to it for for throughout its core? Well, I mean, it, would it have to? That's a good question. I mean, you'd have to hold it for an. A, a very long time right to have the whole fit i don't know what or would it remelt it i don't know well because like think about in episode one phantom menace right when they're cutting into the bridge of the droid ship yeah it's so thick and it's such a thick blast shield that he's essentially just heating up the metal around it and allowing it to melt around the lightsaber at, yeah. at, like, at a certain point yeah so i'm wondering if beskar is like that too because obviously I mean, here's the thing I don't understand. Beskar can obviously be shaped into metals and stuff. Right. So it, it has a it has a melt point, yes. like all elements and all things in the world. Right. So it's it's interesting to me, like, what about it when it's shaped and hardened gives it that strength? Like, is there something I'd really like to read some sort of yes. description on what 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 sort of explanation they have from that on like a descriptive level? Right. But I mean, as we've discussed, Beskar is the MacGuffin of let me get and, shot six times and <laughs> let me you know so yeah. I don't yeah. question it too much it's just it's just interesting to me because I thought that was very interesting yeah. where we've all we're like we kind of saw Ahsoka Tano's lightsaber you know on his on his wrist blades right she didn't really leave it there very long on his wrist 
cover, you know, and it didn't really light up like that. So I thought that was an interesting detail. But maybe the saber is stronger than the lightsabers? In the a dark way. saber? The dark saber, excuse me. What are the... <laughs> I mean, it is, the dark saber is a lightsaber. Um, there's a lot of lore to the dark saber and how yeah. it was first made and stuff. Um, the the ruler of Mandalore was a Jedi who renounced his his yeah. cre the creed to go back to Mandalore to rule, and that's how that became the like the signifier of power because he used that as his as his weapon. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it's inherently stronger or anything. It just has that unique characteristic that it's like a black it's a black blade with like a white edge to it. The yeah. way that it is, that's yeah. And the way that they did that uh, visually was stunning. Yeah, I thought that was stunning when he's holding it over Grogu, and you're seeing you're seeing a little bit more of that detail. And I'm just like, holy, that was so. Dude, cool. he's holding it over the kid. I was like, oh, I know. There's no way they're. I mean, like you know, they're not gonna kill that kid. They have too much merchandising involved. <laughs> Although he did try before Mando got in front of him, like, oh my god. Well, he tried to shoot him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which, you know. Oh my goodness. We, we're so we're jumping all over the place, aren't we? But it's such a good episode. It's so fun. It, it has so much. I mean, um, in talking about the light and the lightsaber, I'm calling it the lightsaber again, the dark saber. And he's like, I yield, just take it. I mean, Mando's literally, I only care about the child. I literally don't care about your whatever. <laughs> I'm wondering if he has to come to care about it at some point with everything he's gone through. But that's for, that's another day. It's another story, but. Yeah, that'll be next season, which as I read is now going to be not next Christmas, apparently. It's going to be, a, oh. I, I guess there's going to be the book of Boba next year and then a year after that, or a little bit later Mandalore is going to be a little later, I think, than they anticipated. At least that's what I had read the other day. Could be rumor. Well, they would do rumors. that, right? Just to get you hooked. Now we're hooked. And Maybe. Now, now what's next? And now they're going to make us wait. Well, George made us wait three years between every movie. Well, yeah. <laughs> some of you, some of you, much longer. I, uh, I was wasn't born until the late, you know, the mid '80s. So, oh. I had to wait. I had to wait until you know the the prequel trilogy. Well, and especially after Empire. What? That was a cliffhanger. What the heck was that? And you're making us wait until three. See, I didn't have to wait for that. <laughs> That's when the hush. That was one of the few times in a theater where you just, that when that line was spoken, it was. <gasps> I'm dead. definitely I'm jealous dead. of you for having dead. been able to see that live. <laughs> it is one event that I wish in cinema that I would have been able to have been alive for. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was pretty. I mean, it's pretty amazing the first time you see it, a first time watcher, and oh, you see that revelation. Absolutely. But you see those videos online every once in a while of parents filming their kids. They're like, I haven't told him yet. And they just film their kids' reaction at, at the revelation. And you're just like, that is just, it's it's so wonderful to watch the that yeah. happen to people naturally. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, no, I mean, this was, I, I loved the, uh, I, I did love the Luke coming in. I liked that, you know, the still the subtle reveal of the green lightsaber, but you see the hilt and the glove. Yes. Just kind of spread out like this, like, oh, my God. I mean, I like you, as soon as I saw that X-Wing fly by and there was only one of them, I was like, that's Luke Scott. I, I got I yelped and my wife was like, what? And I was like, it's it's him. And she was like, it's who? And I was like it's Luke Skywalker. And she's like, how do you know that? And he gets out and he, you're right. He has the, the gloved hand. And I was like, well, cause he's got a lightsaber and a, and a gloved hand. <laughs> I was like, that's not necessarily, but I mean, I was like, it's the right time. I was like, and he just reached out to a Jedi like two episodes ago. Right. I was like, so that's gotta be him. And then when the lightsaber lit up green, I was like, oh yeah. 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 You guys are all in trouble now. I was just, cause much like Alex said, this is, this is, Bring me Captain Solo and the Wookiee. This is, this is, um, this is mature Luke Skywalker, not farm boy Luke Skywalker, not rebel pilot Luke Skywalker. This is Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker, like we've never gotten to see in in live action. I, I've got chills talking about it right now. I know. Seeing how he went through each one of those Death Troopers, and then uh, what I loved was a I I call it a slight homage to Daddy <laughs> Vader. 
when he did the the fist thing like this and and, and, and he and, crushes the one yes and yeah. he just <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> i've seen a lot of people online say that that's a dark side trait but here's my counter to that luke skywalker isn't a jedi of the old republic he's a oh, new Republic Jedi and he didn't have that dogma of the Jedi code that they had so I think to a degree for him yes there's things that lead to the dark side and that is a big theme of the EU books right throughout his building of the new Jedi temples and stuff like that so I really liked it because yeah, yeah I mean who who's who was around to tell him hey you shouldn't be doing it like that nobody right. I mean Obi-Wan's force ghost <laughs> maybe <laughs> and maybe. Yoda's passed on sense and you know so yeah so I do think I do I do think it's interesting like everybody's saying like the loop is closed right like he he Yoda trained him now he's training Grogu there is something kismet about that yeah um, but I would be remiss too to, to not just go all the way back to the beginning what about that opening with I mean, it just starts with a bang. Like you're just flying through space, and Slave One is just trying to shoot down this 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 ship, right? This uh, who obviously has the cloner. We all knew the guy was a cloner. They revealed it like it was some big, <gasps> but everybody yeah. kind of knew it, you know. But I yeah. did think it was interesting that Kara Kara basically shot that guy <laughs> after they were mouthing off to each other about the Death Stars <laughs> and and Alderaan, you know, and. No. This episode and the episode free previously with Mayfeld is really, to me, the first time in live action that they have humanized the Empire. Um, if you think about it, I mean, there's some books and stuff like Lost Stars and a few of the Star Wars books that talk about the Empire from a side where you're by the end, you're like, man, they're just people trying to get by in the universe to a degree. They're not all terrible. It's some of them just signed up at the local recruiter's office right. to get off some crappy world they were on, right. you know? And it's like, you start to have empathy for the space. I mean, what is basically essentially a space Nazi, right? I mean, right. <laughs> right. And it's, it's very interesting. Like, like, I mean, um, Mayfeld said, you know, when's, you know, When's the last time you were excited about stormtroopers cheering for you? Right. <laughs> when were you excited to see them? So right. it's, I like that. We talked about it briefly too on a previous podcast where I talked about how Ahsoka in the Clone Wars goes to the Separatist planet with Leia on that secret mission. Yeah. And she meets, um, she meets the young boy who like, just simply because of odds, they're on opposite ends of this war, but yet they realize they have more in common than they ever would have thought possible, simply because they've just been told one thing over the other. They are at odds, you know? So I, I like that sort of, it's not just black, it's not just white. It, it, there is a lot of gray, you know, in real life and, and in Star Wars. So it, it to me, like I've said, if your characters always stayed the same, they, it would get boring. You yeah. need you need flaws. You need things. Otherwise, everybody would be happy, and there would be no there would be no conflict. Yeah. And what kind of story is that? Right. Well, and it's funny because everybody has this big hang up and focuses like in the Last Jedi about Luke being so uncharacteristic. And I said, but you've got to stop and think about it. It's not really uncharacteristic. I mean, he didn't want to kill anybody. The, the thought of not, you know, it. We, we forget about the whole process of Luke, and it's like we've idealized him to be this perfect, as we usually do with heroes, especially fictional heroes, because we want somebody to be perfect. We want somebody to come in and save the day and be morally, you know, their moral compass to be a 100% perfect. And there's, But there's no living being that lives up to that. I mean... I try to be, you know, people who tell me how I am sometimes, I'm like, oh my gosh, just on a personal level, if you knew some of the struggles that I, I and the demons I fight and have to, you know, it's a constant choose, I want to do good, you know, this is what Luke, you know, embodies for all of us, is that sometimes we don't know how to handle when we see evil growing before us. So what do we do? What's our first thing? It's not always the probably the wisest choice. Do we act on it? Do we stop? Do we, you know what I mean? So that internal war, it just was, you know, normal for me. I didn't think it's so like, what's he doing? You know, I mean, it's not my favorite depiction, but I get it. 
You know I mean, I mean, yeah, I think I think like you said, like we saw a very it seemed very sudden to everybody. But yeah. like, I think in reality, it probably wasn't very sudden. You know, it probably was a thing that had a, had slowly crept in. And you you're talking about a guy who you're right. I mean, that's his his. I mean, we got a lot of pressure on him. I mean, he's the he's the master Jedi now. Well, he's no, not just that. I mean, that I you got pressure on you, but I think moreover, it's it's a sense of one. Like everybody says, oh, if I could go back in time, I'd kill Hitler, and there would have been no World War II. But you're not killing Hitler at that point; you're killing a baby. So, in that, like, I think that he was, you know, he saw this boy grow up. It's his nephew, for God's sakes. Like, it's. It it seemed like a very rash decision, but like when you think about the what Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine did together and to the universe, at what point, as the person who gave the person that power, do you not have this tremendous sense of responsibility? And I think that that's what really broke him, right? And that's what it was supposed to show. And I I don't know that they did a great job of of conveying that, like. In hindsight, you can think about that and you can you can put and stack all those things together. But they I does the movie convey that great? No. But I think, you know, with a little thought, you can think, my God, that was his nephew. And this is what happened. And, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, and and he wasn't going to I mean, it looks like it, but he stopped himself before Kylo turned around, at least how they depicted it. So I mean, right. if you're really watching clearly, you're seeing uh the inner struggle really and yeah so he in the movie he lifts his blade and stuff but you know he couldn't because that's that's not luke that's not and 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 luke catches himself because he wants to stop the evil that he's seeing that's growing or the dark side in him that's growing but he can't because it's still you've got to make your own choices and there's still that love of you know anyway in the novelization for the last jedi you get a lot of his inner monologue and you get a lot of his feeling and what his senses were and like where he was coming from so like i think that's also partly why i'm out i'm now able to look back on it and have that retrospective look not a great thing to expect an audience of people to have done right you know so that doesn't necessarily work but you know for those who do read that maybe it does help i mean i've heard the revenge of the sith novelization is tremendously better at explaining anakin's fall than the movie ever did yeah so you know yeah it's one of those things where if you seek out that knowledge it's there you have your own time you have the director that's making this you know these calls and this interpretation but yeah yeah i think we needed a whole movie for Revenge of the Sith, but uh, or his struggle and his whatever. But anyway, that's that's we're veering off the Mandalorian. <laughs> that's not like us at all to go into other things. Rabbit trail, hippity hop. So I did think it was interesting too that when they initially, you know, Boba Fett obviously has an eye on Cannon. You know, Slave One is is deceptively armored. You know, to a to a standard person looking at it you know anybody looking at it would think it's just a light cruiser type shuttle thing but it's got a way more bigger pack punch and i just the opening cinematography of that was so cool like after he got him and as he's lifting up and you yeah. see that t-visor looking at you through the, the the viewport and it just the sound of the slave one rising over it i was like ooh, that is menacing like they initially think he's a pirate they're like oh yeah. it's pirates yeah. you know so, so so my question, Justin, is how did the guy who's goading Kara, um, if he was on that Death Star, how did he get off? <laughs> I would say that since he's a pilot, he was more than likely a TIE fighter pilot and wasn't actually on the base when it exploded. Yeah. Or he was one of the attached garrisons that was moved over. Because what happened on the what what happened at the last one? Um, they knew it was a trap, right? So what they had done was, is they had moved. Oh, they only had like a skeleton crew for the most part, I think, on the Death Star to a degree, and then they had everybody else out on the ships and stuff. So there's yeah. plenty of places he could have been. You know what I mean? He was just nasty. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's it is true. You know, one person's terrorist is another yep. person's freedom fighter. So yeah, yep. it is. You're right. It is very interesting to see them. You know. Ex- considering the genocide of a planet to be good work, a good day's work. I mean, my, 
my God, I mean, I don't think anybody really thinks that's a good day's work, you know, even if you do think you're on the right side. Like, there's no way the whole planet was terrorist. There's just no way. Didn't you think so, it was interesting when after this, this is Mando got a good glimpse of what happened in Kara's life. Yeah, and I think it's very interesting to a degree, like the, the tattoo she has under her eye, right, is obviously the Tear of Alderaan tattoo, right? So, and she's got her jumper tattoo. So, like, her tattoos tell her story. He knew He knew who she was and what she was before she opened her mouth. You know, so to a degree, yeah, she's she's very much a product of the war. And and she obviously and we've seen she has those ghosts like to a degree. But when when he came to ask her when he came to ask her for help to get the child initially, she's like, hey, I'm a legit marshal now, so I can't necessarily uh, right. run off here and do this. And then he's like, it's the child. She's like, well, let's just do whatever we need to, which was cute. Yeah. Yeah. Because that. uh I, I know she knew the importance of of the shot, so. I did think it's interesting. The guy she shot, if you watch later, the um, the scientist, part of his yeah. ear is singed, like, just completely missing, like, the lower lobe. I thought that was pretty gruesome for Disney. It was, yeah. I was very yeah. surprised, because I was very concerned initially when Disney bought my favorite things in the world, where I was like, uh, lightsabers cut limbs off, and Disney's not about dismemberment. Right. And to a degree, the video games have suffered a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Jedi Outcast would have been better if I could have cut off some Stormtrooper limbs. That's Wow. <laughs> it's just a fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 90s computer games did it. It was amazing. And right. there wasn't a lot of blood. It cauterizes on impact. Yeah. Even the Lego games, Chewie pulls out arms. But That's uh... what I'm saying, right? So, but no, I mean, this this season has really showed that they're willing to go to those a little bit darker, a little bit more mature, because yeah. they, they I think they understand that, well, yes, there's children that are interested in Baby Yoda. Their parents are sitting there watching it with them, and their parents are like, I'm going to be invested in this, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, you know, much to, much to Dave's thing. He didn't buy any sequel trilogy stuff, but I think he's already kind of bought some stuff. He's got, he's bought a bunch of stuff from The Mandalorian already, you know? Yeah. Of course he has. Now, I'm with I'm with Allie on Dr. Perishing at this point, though. At first, I thought he was trying to mislead them. Yeah. No. You know, I thought maybe for maybe he'll he's just trying to play him and, and con him. And this was part of Gideon's plan because Moff Gideon's a smart dude. He's an ex-ISB, as we figured out. Right. Right. In this episode. I mean, we had talked about that, you know, and David had mentioned it, I think, or Allie or somebody. But I'm with Allie. Dr. Perishing is just a convenient plot device. Yeah. And, like, I'm sad in that because he, he was so mysterious for um, for even just this whole season. I was just like, oh, man, he is plot forwarding. Yeah. And then he was too plot forwarding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> only had a certain amount of time to get in there and, and do what they needed to do and show you all the things they needed to show you. So they needed a convenient way. But... I don't know. Maybe the plans are in like the the data bank of the computer of the of the thing. I don't know. I just I would like hopefully like something in season three that explains a little bit more as to why he was so willing to just turn over on the empire when everybody else is willing to die for the empire or be. And the other thing is interesting is as they pointed out is the one guy was like I'm not with him and then he shot him right. <laughs> I mean. You've got guys who are fanatical on one end, and then you got guys who are like, I'm only here for a paycheck, don't kill me. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, well, it's made up of everybody. You touched on that earlier, too. So, yeah, so maybe Dr. Perishing is just a contracting dude, and he's like, dude, I'm only getting paid a 1099. I don't want to die. Right. Well, yeah. and I don't think he had, I don't think he had any love for um, the, uh, oh, gosh, what was it? Verna Hertz, Hertzog. Oh, yeah. What was his character's name? Uh, um, oh, gosh. I hate that when I forget that. But it seemed like he was yeah. more afraid. So they find out that he's this, you know, geneticist or what, um, and he clone, he can do all this stuff. And this is what they want him for. So, you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a threat. Maybe he doesn't have any allegiance. I never felt he had any allegiance to anybody but just surviving. I just assumed it was much like um, Jin's father. Yes. He yes. was he was being held against his will. Because the Empire's always been great at that. 
they've always been great at holding people's families ransom, whole planets ransom. Be like, if you don't help us, we will just level your whole planet. Yeah, I really think that's what it was. He's doing this. I mean, even if it's in his message in the previous episode, um, or or the one that Carl Weathers, uh, the one that yeah, that Carl Weathers did when they were in the base, right? And when he's then when they find that, I mean, his whole message there's fear, there's all this fear, and and the doctor saying, "I won't fail you again," you know. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I just figured. No, I, I don't ever. There, it's interesting, you're, you know, because I always figured most people operate from a place of fear in the empire, but it doesn't seem to be so, right? As much, yeah. right? Because, like I said, you have the fanatics. So, so yeah. yeah, I guess, I guess, looking back on it, you're right. He is operating from a place of fear. So, I think they have the ability to to fix his character and write something better, which will explain why he helped. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because this is this the birth of Palpatine's clone. Well, I think that that's obviously what they're heavily alluding to. I mean, they they've spoken about Operation Cinder, which was the start of the new the First Order and stuff after he fell. And yeah. and then, you know, we saw that basic clone or whatever it was, genetic deformation of a clone. Right. So, yeah, I think that that is where they're getting to with that. Right. And they're trying to figure out. I'm interested to know what actually happened to the Kaminoans, though. Yes. Yes. Why is this guy a clone engineer? Where's right. the Kevin Owens? What right. happened to them? Did he work with them? <laughs> well, and that's in, and very much so. You know, I'm I'm very interested in that. I get the feeling we know Palpatine has long-term plans, so I get the feeling that maybe he had this guy work with him so he could learn his stuff. But obviously, he's not great, and they right. don't have the the formula right. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with his character and whether he becomes a much larger part. And did they get did they get Grogu's blood? I mean, because Gideon said, "Well, I've got all the blood. We I got what I want from him." Well, of course, they have tons of it in that ship, I assume. But now they have control of that ship. That's right. That's right. So did it get out or is it kept? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Now, my question is too is is does Bo-Katan and them now, like, is that Mando's new ship? I, I don't know. Just, is he now just in possession of that? Right. Like, that's kind of a big up. Like, that, I mean, granted, there is the whole one way in, one way out with your ship that's a bit of a design flaw, in my opinion. Right. Um, I think it looks cool. It's, it's cool to watch a TIE fighter take off out of it. Very impractical. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, it wasn't, uh, you know, I wonder who, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Razor Crest, I think we all got emotionally attached to that one, didn't we? And when that was I, was, I was more emotionally attached to that hunk of junk than I thought I was. I know. Well, we've, we've been there when it's been bones to full flesh to bones. Fallen in the, in the, in the ocean of yeah. the one planet filled with squid. <laughs> We were emotionally, you know, like the Falcon. I mean, why are we emotionally attached to the Falcon? I know why we're emotionally attached to the Falcon, right. actually. The yeah. Falcon, the, the, the Millennium Falcon becomes a character in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. It it takes on character and personality when, they, when they're trying to dodge and dip the Empire before they go to Bespin. Yeah. And, like, and much to that, you know, that definitely was something that people went with obviously and then we see in solo that really you know lando's droid is part of that so it does have a personality to a degree and it is more of a person and i think one of the biggest disservice of the sequel trilogy is they treated the millennium falcon like it was just a vehicle like it was just a starship when it really wasn't yes they did the they did the one they did their necessities they went in and said oh my god this is the millennium falcon but then beyond that it just kind of became how they got around, and it wasn't really utilized very much. A little bit um, on crate, right? Yeah. In the Last Jedi, you get a little bit of that, but I don't yeah. feel like, and you get a little bit of it at the beginning of the Rise of Skywalker, but it's not. It doesn't ever quite feel like it. Doesn't feel like home like it did in in in. And the, Atu's not talking to it. Atu and the right. you know Falcon. I mean, they're like right. <laughs> 
I do. It is always very, and that is always something that's been very interesting to me about Star Wars is the side comments that like R two and three PO have to each other <laughs> about things and stuff. Like he's like, "What have I told you about talking to?" Like when he talks to the Bespin computer system, and he's like, "What have I told you about talking to you about strange computers?" Like it's hilarious. Like it's it's. But then at the same time, because of that, you get plot forwarding stuff and you get things like that so well, here we've gone on a here we've gone on the wax poetic about r2d2 for for, for minutes. back to r2d2 <laughs> but oh my gosh when you know we're, we're back on the he gets he gets grogu and i just love that little like uh, the minute the um luke lands i mean grogu just kind of like he senses the force and he's like oh something's here something's you know and he gets that and it's I loved watching that, and as he's got his hand on the monitor, just like yeah. connect, like oh, you're you're who I feel, and um, oh, and then when he's like, I'm sorry, Justin, <laughs> I'm just jumping to the when he puts him in the little seat, and of course, Mando's looking at Luke, and and he's like, well, he doesn't want to go with you, and then Luke said he what he's asking permission. <laughs> <laughs> did it make you cry <laughs> oh my god I'm sitting there going oh my gosh because obviously Mando is not you know he can't sense these things and he can't you know and then it just that just pierced my heart and then when he comes and he picks him up and then you know like you said he put his like I want to see you can I see you dad you know I mean because they have a strong bond they yeah. do and I love that because, and then when he took it off, oh, oh gosh, I think I was a mess, Justin. I was just sitting there going, oh, he did this for Grogu so he could look, and he just looked at him, and it was almost this look of, oh, that's what you, and this is what I get to keep in my mind in memory of you, and that he really felt love, I want to say. Maybe I'm a little bit more romantic in this, but, it, you know, in my thought process processes but it's a bonding and it's a family that's not your family you know that that you can bond with and you can have this relationship with that you know gives you this oh my gosh but yes i, I have to say my hero comes around luke skywalker <laughs> and little grogu is holding on to manda's leg and he turns and looks at him <laughs> i can't talk Oh, because then he does a little happy dance, like, I remember you, you little score. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness, sorry. Okay, did I digress? <laughs> You're fine. I love it. Oh, he was beautiful. He's just beautiful. But you notice that he had a little more, like, some wear and tear on, his, yeah. on, on him. And, boy, that droid. That droid has... It's been all over the galaxy, man. I just love him. Yeah, I, I I think that uh, R2 was definitely another thing missing from the sequel trilogy. You know, they had him a little bit, but not enough. Never mm -hmm. enough for me. But backing up just a little bit, okay, so we, we've skipped over tons of stuff. We've, we've been at 45 minutes. I know we don't have a lot of time, so we'll come back to some other things okay. within the episode, too, that happened. Because there was a lot going on in this episode as well, and I'd be remiss not to talk about it. I mean, you basically have the greatest four-woman team that just takes ah. over this this starship. Yeah. And it works perfectly. It's not, like, like I had no problem with uh, Infinity War. That one was okay. But, like, everybody kind of did the nod and the wink. Oh, mm -hmm. And this didn't do that. And I appreciate that because it just, what it does is it starts to normalize it. And that's what we need. We need it to just be normal. You just need it to just be the way that it is so that it's natural. Yes. And I think they, I think, and we talked about it a bit the other day too, when Kara and yeah. um, Fennec were sitting up and sniping people off the roof when they were covering for Mayfeld and, and, and Mando, right? So it's so natural in this that we just accept it because we've seen it, right? And there's the whole thing with her her gun being jammed in the elevator thing. And they're like, you need some help with that? <laughs> I, I am. No. I'm good. <laughs> and then it's just like, door open, start shooting. It was awesome. I, I thought that that whole scene was just tremendous. Like, it was very fun to watch. Well, and it was natural. Like you said, it was, it was just something that, yeah. This isn't. A, this is great. It didn't like. 
why can't women do this and be strong women and yet be, you know, I, I thought it was amazing. The teamwork, it's like there were no, um, I didn't feel like there were egos. They were just together. They had a purpose and they were yeah. getting through and it was, it was great. It was great. I'd like to see more of that too, but I guess I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was very fun to watch that scene happen. And then later, you know, you you see Luke go through the same gauntlet, but with with dark troopers, right? And it's just his use of like the force to like pin the one, so that later he can just chop him in half and like and then crush he the one. one to him and yeah, and he used the head of one to smash the other's head. I was like, dude, this is oh so good. So, yeah, the whole taking of the ship was just, I thought it was real good. Like, I thought it was interesting when they were coming in, too, because I, I had mentioned in in the previous episode, in fact, fly casually. It wasn't exactly flying casually, but it was along the same line, same ship, just on an approach vector getting attacked. <laughs> I did think it was interesting, too. Like, you had mentioned in the beginning of the podcast that, you know, he had said, oh, we're not done until this kid is safe. But he kind of dropped everybody off and peaced out. Like, I thought he would at least come back at some point. All right. And I mean, at some point he must, him and Fennec must have because of the post-scene credit, right? At some point they reconnect. So yeah. it's just funny to me, like, they were so sure they were going to not need him. He just left. And, like, I did like on the the fact that they showed when he was leaving that the front turret on his ship swivels backwards and fires backwards. Yeah. Because that's a cool thing, too, that, that a lot of people don't know about Slave One is its ability to fire backwards. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I, I, all in all, I was, I was fine with it. And obviously, you know, much like Dave and, the, and Alex had mentioned, it might have gotten a little awkward when Luke Skywalker showed up a few, a few, a few <laughs> like an hour or so later. <laughs> uh, weren't you in Tatooine five years ago? <laughs> just kind of boot your jet pack with a little, you know, because <laughs> he couldn't see. Uh, they, they, just, let's just say they'd recognize my face. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh, yeah, but going back to what, just jumping back real quick, I remember a thought I had had when you were talking about that. In terms of whether or not you think, I, I honestly don't think Boba Fett is the... Let's team up and, and fight yeah. back across the galaxy. He's just not. And that's not really how they've made him. Yeah. As much as his whole line of I'm just a simple man trying to make his way in the galaxy. You're a simple man who just so happened to take over the criminal enterprise of, of the Outer Rim. Yeah. Yeah. Simple man indeed. Um, well, there's a quid pro pro, I think, maybe. Instead of maybe a team up. Yes, definitely. I could definitely see where if his interests align with somebody else that is the only yeah. time boba fett sticks his, and he the reason that i said with this one it was different it was his family's armor so he had a bit of sense of duty about that with everything else it's business 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 with boba yeah. fett yeah but maybe time in the sarlacc you know i mean we we never know what he the trauma no just kidding <laughs> but i did like it i liked what rodriguez said that you know i mean how do we know you don't know that a character might be coming back and the way that he brought Bubba back was really like, if I have one shot and he did it well, I really think he did it well. And the way he got peppered into the, the rest of the season fit him. Yeah. You know, Yeah, it wasn't, he wasn't used in a way that didn't seem unnatural. So that was, that's very true. Yeah. Now, my thing is, and this is another nitpick, I know, but like this is something that I think I feel is a much more fair criticism in that, okay, Bib Fortuna is in charge of Boba's palace. I don't think so. Yeah. And here's why I don't think so. And I have other cinematic Star Wars to prove it. It's not just books. Huts are notoriously territorial. Yes. And they rule the Outer Rim. That is their territory. And none of them, not one of them, would waste one minute trying to reclaim somebody else's power when they fell. Nobody would have left Bib Fortuna that to run. Now, maybe that Major Domo is smart enough to outwit Huts, But if he wasn't smart enough to keep Boba Fett from walking in his front door and putting him down, I don't think he was smart enough for the Hut clans to put a, a bounty out on him to retake that 
from him. Because you see in the original Clone Wars movie with Gardula the Hutt and all that. Or not Gardula the Hutt. um, With Zero the Hutt. Yes. And like, that was a whole plot, right? To steal Jabba's kin and stuff like that. They're conniving, backstabbing political people. Like, and they're, they would never rest on a chance to seize power. So while it was funny to see Fat Ben Fortuna reaping the benefits of having been in charge, not only do I think that's unlikely, and like where was Boba Fett for the last five years, but where was the Fett? Where's the Huts? Where's the Huts at? The Huts are not letting that go. They, that is a key. The, obviously, Tatooine has always been an integral key, as much of a backwater world of it as it is. It has a key significance in that part of space. Yeah. yeah. It just so happens to be a desert. Yeah. Exactly. And very harsh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, yeah. those were my biggest complaints of, among, you know, some things. And like I said, it did get a bit to be more uh, Luke Skywalker's here. I mean, there was, like you said, there's tremendous things. He took his helmet off for the child. And I think yeah. as amazing and as as groundbreaking as that is as more people are still talking about r2d2 and luke skywalker which sucks for pedro pascal to a bit i feel bad for him to a degree you know like you you get this defining like character defining thing and you didn't really get it right yeah but so i mean he did have the final you know when it closed and then you're 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 panning to him and i'm just like yeah nobody get it I have I, to say, I, I lost everything I, when I saw all the uh, everything else that happens in this overshadows it to a degree. I think that yeah. that could, and it sucks because it it is perfect though. It, I mean, as much as I don't like it, it is it, the way that it happened. It made me choke up. So like, it does work. It's just I was like, man, with all this other stuff, that doesn't mean nearly as much anymore. <laughs> I don't. Are you a Jedi? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, were you not watching the monitors? <laughs> you know anybody else? Laser swords and the ability to take out a dude. That, first of all, he tried to fight. That's the other thing. He tried to fight one of them. Yes. And it, it, okay, that's, all right, let's back Hold on. I'm all over the place. Let's, let's back up. Because I'm with Allie, too. Like, it was a little ridiculous. I mean, it was fun to watch him just get his head pounded into the, into the bulkhead. I understand that the helmet is best guard, but like the part of the T visor, like I feel like that should have cracked or something a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You know, okay, I'll give you it. It's Beskar helmet. Fair, fair. But, but the no. visor's not the the the, the see through part of the visor is not made out of anything right. amazing. Right. So <laughs> I felt like something should have cracked a little bit, you know. Unless Plus, you think like, it just right right here. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> On the right? part it's the perfect structure. He was just perfectly hitting it. Sorry, people who are listening to this can't see what I'm pointing at. <laughs> the forehead. The forehead, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you can't see me? Um, one thing I thought was interesting, too, was that, like, when he gets to Gideon, Gideon, like, knows he only fought one dark trooper, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, I wonder... I wonder you know, obviously we don't know where the brig is as a, in relation to the, you know, the bridge of the ship. So maybe he watched everything on the feeds and stuff. I also like how you're in a starship, but you have CRT, like, black and white monitors. Right. <laughs> that, was, that, to me, was hilarious. I, love I it. It. it looks like traditional Star Wars, and I can accept it, you yeah. know. But I was just like, oh, man, they got, uh, they, got they need to upgrade these to some 4K and get some color in here. But they spent all the money on the Death Troopers. Or they the Dark did. Troopers, excuse me. The dark, right, right. They had to cut costs somewhere, Mara. You're absolutely <laughs> correct. They are, after all, like a corporation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we know enough to know what systems we fight with. Now, that being said, the cinematography of how they showed Luke, you know, first on the monitors and then a little bit in real life and then more on the monitors. I did enjoy that. It was very, very cool to watch. It does look very awesome. And I get very filled with excitement. And I, and like you said, you know, his little hand on the screen is just adorable. And then when he gets to the door and he just like looks and it's just like, he's like, daddy's home. <laughs> like that's the one I've been waiting for. Yeah. That's like, the one. And yeah. when he was like, open the door, it's like, um, I mean, you know, you, 
obviously Bo-Katan knew it was a Jedi too because she was like a Jedi. You know, like she's seen Jedi. So like she's like when he goes open the door, she's like, "Are you crazy?" It's like he's got a lightsaber. Right. That door's not going to be closed for long if you don't open it. Right. He's just being polite. Right now, he knows your friends. He's not going to kill you. Right. <laughs> right now, he knows your friends. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and that, yeah. So, it, it was a tremendous season and a tremendous episode. I really, I really liked it. But I will be interested to, for it to be more about Mando. Hopefully, yeah. you know, Bo Katan and them are in there too. I, I could always get more Katie Sackoff. I could always. I could always have more of that. More Mandalorians fighting for Mandalore. Yeah. 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 It'll be definitely be interesting now that he's had this, you know, journey. Where 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 are they gonna take this? How are they gonna use this? So yeah, very exciting, but and more so now that we have to wait longer for it. But <laughs> And I do wanna say I'm definitely glad he didn't kill Gideon. Yes. Yeah. One because I love Giancarlo Esposito. Oh, yeah. I think he is a magnanimous actor. Oh. I mean He's he's wonderful. Breaking Bad was a tremendous role for him, and this is another great role for him. You know, he gets to be part of the Star Wars universe. We get to see him and some stuff. So, I think it'll be. I think you know. How do you think he gets away? I because obviously he's getting away. He's not obviously going to just remain right prisoners of the New Republic. But right. maybe maybe he is. I I don't know. Who maybe knows? they pump him for information. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I mean, anything's possible. Anything can be written. I mean, these stories that we didn't even think we were going to get three years ago. I mean, here we have two seasons of The Mandalorian that have, you know, peaked interest in again. And just, um, I don't know. It's, I've always said all along that it doesn't have to be Skywalker's. Yeah, to have such a dynamic. And I know, yes, Luke has showed up in this, this story. But <laughs> before then, I mean... We didn't have one. We didn't, and it by its own merit, it it got this. So, and even without lightsabers too. I mean, we yes, we've had some lightsabers this season, and of course yeah. we have the dark saber, but we don't have lightsaber battles and duels. Yeah. So it's 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 more just about the characters in that world right. that they're in, right? Right. And I know somebody said something about well, they brought the force back in and stuff, but the force has always been with. Star Wars. I mean, yes, more Jedi type, but you have force sensitive people as well. If yeah. it's the li every living thing and everything around you, it exists all the time. It's not, it doesn't break the bounds of credulity for me to think that there's, <laughs> you know, uh, the force in everything. It doesn't have to be the main focus, but not, I mean, don't be surprised. I mean, this is Star Wars. This is what it is. And it's, and it's okay if it doesn't drown the rest of the story out. And I actually think it, you're right. It's, it, it isn't everything. And I think it's nice to see it in a way that's not directly related to a Jedi. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like the little boy with the broom at the yeah. end. Like, I thought that was cool. That was a one thing about The Last Jedi I thought was cool. I was like, okay, I get it. They're seeding for the future. They're showing you that there's potential for, for force potential users in the future and stuff like that. So, and while that kid is force sensitive, it, you know, you seen like with, uh, what's his name with Finn's character, right? He's supposed to be force sensitive and stuff like that. And that was alluded to, and you kind of got that gist, you know, and even if he wasn't really like strong enough to be a Jedi, he kind of had something that helped him along the way, you know? And there's a lot more of that throughout the books. Like, uh, one of the members of Rogue Squadron is like that. Yeah. And why not? Yeah. I mean, you have very spiritual people that right. are in tune with that, you know, in everyday life. So it's not like, it's not too hard for me to believe that it just exists. So, yeah, for me, that book of Boba, though, I'm excited beyond belief for that because... Yeah. And, Here's the thing for me on that. I'm hoping it's a little out of t out of sync and time wise, but there's a book called the Bounty Hunter Trilogy, and it's all about his how he breaks up the Bounty Hunters Guild. Yeah. What? Well, yeah, and it's it's a really good book. So I'm hoping it's that, but you know, I'll be yeah. happy if it's not because yeah. they'll probably write something that I never thought of that's just as amazing. That's right. I think it's so, going to be good nonetheless. Yeah. So. But I am happy for R two. 
<laughs> and then real quick, I know it's one yeah. here, which means, do you got to go? Um, I got a few more minutes. Okay. Actually, yeah, so there's still. So with that, I'll, I'll make sure I go back and cut that part out. But um, okay, so with that, let's since you got a few more minutes here, let's uh, let's see. Um, our final thoughts on this season, next season, Star Wars. We've kind of been doing it for an hour, but final <laughs> thoughts. Final thoughts. Well, I I thoroughly enjoyed what these two seasons brought us. I loved the journey of of uh, Din Djarin, and I loved that he um, discovered you know, a purpose that can only go, it can go in so many directions. And I can't wait to see the next uh, chapters for him because I mean, oh my gosh, it's endless, endless possibilities. And he's established himself as, I mean, the Mandalorian is just, I don't even know if I can really find the words. It, it's excellently done i mean the story uh can only move forward and and not necessarily get better but it could get better i mean this has been really good but you know different exciting adventures or or things that push his limits or you know define a little bit more his character and who he is and and what he what he fights for because we all need something to fight for we all need something to stand for and to to feel like we're like that this is where i'm meant to be i know that's kind of a lofty concept for some but we all have that and 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 star wars has a nice way of 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 pulling that all together i mean with the book of fett coming out i mean where where is this even going i mean what has this time in the Sarlacc pit for meant for Bubba as as a character, and then being, um, I mean, he had to have hung out with sand people, and you know what, or, or or something to help survive. Somebody had to have saved him, and then he had saved Fennec, and so we have this dynamic duo that kind of seems at odds, but yet they kind of fit. So these two misfits or these two loners are now teamed up for. Uh, endless action adventure and and just uh i don't know it's gonna be it's gonna be great and ahsoka and th oh my goodness i feel like we we've come upon this garden of different kinds of fruit and it's fresh and it's juicy and it's wonderful and i get to pick this and i get to pick that well that one i didn't like that well but you know what the one on the same branch was even better so oh you know <laughs> i guess that's the only way i can describe it this is so exciting and i cannot wait I think that's I think that's spot on. I think that's I love your analogy. That maybe I didn't like this one, but this other one on the same branch is way good. You know, I mean, at this point with the lineup they have coming, you 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 get to choose. What do you want to watch in Star Wars at this point? I mean, and I get it for people like us that love all of it or that really need to know all that. We're gonna watch all of it so that we can amass it and put it into our collective knowledge and order everything in the timeline because. Much like Alex, I also like my timeline for Star Wars in a straight linear fashion. I'm a little concerned with the time with the with jumping through time and, and stuff like that, you yeah. know, and, and, and things. What that means for the Ahsoka show and whether they're gonna go into that more with with the world between worlds and and her being intrinsically linked to the daughter from uh, the Mortis arc. I don't know. But that to me so exciting because it goes back to the the Clone Wars. It comes forward into the Rebels. It Ahsoka really has almost become the unifying thread across everything at this point, and I'm really excited for that because uh, I've admitted before I did not like her as a character. Yeah. And I when I first saw the movie, I thought she was just an absolute annoying. But I was like, she's a teenage. She's all, barely a teenager, and okay. so it made sense for her to be like that later, you know. And yeah. And watching her grow up was amazing. So what I hope for season three and for seasons one of the new shows, I want the same sort of thing like they do for the Berlantiverse, for the DC stuff. I want to see like the crossover, the big crossover event once a season. Right. You know, the four shows that lead up to the crossover event that from each one of them so that you watch them together and they make this amazing, beautiful story together. You know, yep. have this interconnectedness that just and I get it. Some of them aren't going to you, you obviously can't have the acolyte 
working in, you know, when it makes sense. Yeah. Ahsoka's show, depending on what time frame they're in, it may make sense because we know she exists in these time frames. Right. So, you know, as long as it makes sense, I want more of that like Berlanti verse. I want more of that. I'm very excited to see what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, beyond thrilled for the book of Boba Fett as a one as a huge Boba Fett fan. Um, you know, and I've said this throughout the, this whole season, having read so much about him in the book, it's so cool to see it live action. So the fact that they've got a whole show for him, I'm, I'm there in spades. I'm there in spades for it. What I really hope for in season three of The Mandalorian is them to really go back to it being more about The Mandalorian and his journey. It was yeah. great that they were able to back end all these things and get everybody excited, and that's awesome. Let's hope that next season's just as good on its own laurels. Yes. You know? The first episode was amazing. Yeah. I mean, granted, Homeboy was wearing, Cobb Vanth was wearing the Boba Fett armor, so that did help the hype. But even without that, just hunting a crate dragon in the first one was, if you think about it, sans that, like, was really cool. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it was even cooler, like, the, like I said, like the Easter egg of, like, Anakin's pod racer engine potentially being Cobb Vanth's side swoop, you know, his swoop bike. Yeah. You know, they've done a great job, as we've discussed. Yeah. Weaving everything through, both from old EU stuff to video games, you know, I think they've really hit their stride. I think they have been, they know what they need to do. I think it's much like the MCU, you know, John Favreau came in and, and Dave Filoni and them came in. They set up architecture and said, this is your structure. Stay inside of it and everything will be fine. Yeah. You know, and I think we're seeing the benefits of people who have a longer vision and have had the ability to live in this world. Dave Filoni, in my opinion, is George Lucas 2.0. Yes. You know? We need uh, to speak. <laughs> and when they first, you know, announced the sale and stuff, and then they, they didn't, you know, he wasn't necessarily in charge. I thought that was a misstep, you know? And I and I get to a degree, he was, he, he was on Rebels, and he did do some stuff there. But I, and I get it, they probably thought, well, he does television, and these are movies, and that's different, you know? Because it seems that that's how the business is. But... I am still a big contender, and I said this a few podcasts ago. I am honestly getting to the point where I think that Star Wars is better episodic. Yeah. You get a chance to really build and really live it and really feel yeah. the development. Does that mean I don't want movies? No, of course not. The movies are great because they act as tent poles for me to then dive deeper into those episodic shows. Yeah. So I think a healthy mix of both is really going to do them well, and I think that you know, the next set of three movies they do are probably going to be, be much better for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that is my two cents on season two of The Mandalorian. What a ride. Epic time. Saw so many great things. I am so excited once again to be a Star Wars fan. I hope everybody else is, too. I understand everybody's going to have their problems with it, but hopefully we can all just love a thing. Yeah. Hopefully yep. we can all just love a thing and... Love it for its flaws and the and the good things. Right. That is all for this week's episode. We are the Jedi Council. If you'd like to know more about us, you can check us out at our website, the-jedi-council.com. You can find us on social media, on Twitter, at the Jedi underscore council, on Instagram, at the underscore Jedi underscore council underscore TJC, on Facebook, at TJC, the Jedi Council, on SoundCloud at the underscore Jedi underscore Council, on YouTube at Jedi Council, as well as your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you spending your time with us. And remember, 